Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. And we are in Genesis chapter 10, after the flood. Take your Bible, open to the first book of your Bible, the book of Genesis, and let's pray one more time. Genesis chapter 10. Father, we are grateful to be together tonight, and we are grateful to be able to look into your inspired word, profitable for every area of our life. Um, All that we need that pertains to life and godliness is found in you and breathed out through your word, and would you breathe it into us tonight? We're hungry to know you better, Lord. We're hungry to be more equipped. We're hungry to be those who grow in godliness, Father, and We're hungry to know your plan for the nations and the hope for the nations that you make so clear in the scriptures. And so as we go back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, the origin, the source, these first 11 chapters lay the framework for understanding not only the Bible but the world. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that you would uh, add and take away from what I've put on paper and speak to your people, Lord. We're We want to have ears to hear what you say tonight. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. After the flood, Genesis chapter 10. So remember the book of Genesis. Genesis means beginnings or origin. If you want to understand the Bible and you want to understand kind of the trajectory of the world, you need to understand the first 11 chapters, especially of the book of Genesis. In fact, I would tell you that Genesis 10 kind of lays the groundwork for understanding the conflict of the ages. And the conflict of the ages has really been uh, uh, worked out in heavenly places. And it's in the fall of Lucifer. And it's in the announcement, the early announcement in Genesis 3 of a coming Redeemer. And that Redeemer coming through the line of Shem and coming through the line of Eber, and then coming through the line ultimately of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His uh, prophesied coming explains a lot of what's taken place through the ages. On Thursday mornings, in fact, we're going to look at Revelation 12, 13, and 14 in our men's Bible study, and I'm going to talk to the guys about the conflict of the ages, and we have kind of a pause in Revelation 12, 13, and 14 in the book of Revelation where it looks back on this uh, ongoing conflict. And what it focuses on is the dragon, the serpent of old Satan, and the nation of Israel. And it goes back, and and as the, the book unfolds, it goes back and it really looks at the story of why Israel has been a target of all these nations. Think about it. They've been targeted by Egypt, although they migrated there, and then they went into Egyptian slavery, Assyria, Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, Um, remnants of the Greek Empire attacked them, Rome, the Ottoman Empire, and in our most recent history, Nazi Germany. And now, uh, Nazi Germany, we go back to the 1930s, and now we have all these surrounding nations with a target on Israel. And some of them publicly, even to the UN, saying that they want to push Israel into the sea. How does one explain the hatred and the turmoil and all that this people group has gone through throughout the ages? 
Well, if you explain it through a biblical worldview, I think you'll understand what's going on. The Messiah was announced. He would come through a specific line. And Satan did not want that male child to be born. And this is pictured in Revelation 12. And so he sought to destroy this male child. This also shows up in the story of Esther when Haman tries to destroy the Jews. It shows up in the pronouncement of Herod to kill the children under two years of age. And on and on it goes. This is the story not only of the biblical record, this is the story of our world. And even today, I've said it many times, we've watched U.S. president after U.S. president try to get peace in the Middle East. How are they doing? Not so good. And the reason is, is that there's been this conflict, and this conflict involves people groups, but it also involves a spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm um, is something that we need to pay attention to. Now, in Genesis chapter 10, um, this, is, this is my Bible. <laughs> so here's what's happened. Genesis chapter 10 apparently is somewhere else. <laughs> But I have it right here. So anyway, let's go through it. <laughs> okay. Now these, Genesis 10.1, are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons of Noah and sons, uh, and sons were born to them, here's the title tonight, after the flood. And when we go back to Genesis chapter 9, Genesis chapter 9 tells the story of the disembarkment from the ark and uh, Noah tipping back one too many. You guys remember that story? So he gets drunk and um, he's uncovered in his tent and a son goes in there. Look at Genesis 9 verse 20. Noah began farming and planted a vineyard, 921, and he drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Now what Ham should have done is just covered his dad. And when we looked at Genesis chapter 9, I told you there was a principle that as Christians, we're supposed to cover each other's faults. Love covers, how many? A multitude of sins. Not just personality quirks, not just shortcomings, but actual sins. And yes, sin needs to be dealt with, and yes, we need to lovingly reprove, but he didn't cover his dad. And so Genesis 9.26 says, He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. The two older brothers, Shem and Japheth, covered his nakedness, and let Canaan be his his servant. Now here's a pronouncement after what happens. May God enlarge Japheth, let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So all of a sudden now there is some prophecy given by Noah. He says, may he enlarge Japheth. Some Hebrew scholars believe the idea there is let him experience the beauty uh, in the tents of Shem. Japheth, you're going to note as we go through the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10, is the progenitor of the Greek race. So Japheth gets a blessing, a beauty, enlargement. Let him tw- dwell in the tents of Shem. Now Shem is the line of Israel. You've heard of the Semite people. 
Just think Shemite and you've got it. This is the Semitic peoples. And so Shem is the progenitor or father of the Semites or the Semitic peoples. And Japheth is told that he uh, is going to be enlarged and he can dwell in the tent of Shem. And then it says, let Canaan be his servant. Now Canaan is the land that the children of Israel eventually go into and that's called what? The promised land. And there they are supposed to basically destroy or boot out people groups that are there. And Canaan will become Shem's servant, if you will, because the land will be promised to the uh, children of Israel. Now, I was uh, listening to a message and talking with a friend earlier, and in, in, in the Hebrew literature outside the Bible, there's a story told of um, Alexander the Great. He was called Alexander of Macedon, and he was basically dominating the world. And he had arrived in Israel, and Israel heard that he had given approval basically to destroy um, that area. And the high priest, this is how the story goes, and it comes out of the Jewish Talmud, the high priest put on the priestly garments and went out to meet Alexander the Great. And uh, basically to beg him not to destroy uh, Jerusalem. So they came out with torches, and there was members of the Sanhedrin and the high priest, and he went and he was approaching Philip, and Philip, the story goes that he was on a big white horse or on his chariot, and he saw the Jewish leadership coming, and he goes, who are these people? And they said, those are Jews coming to you. And so all of a sudden, Alexander got down from his chariot or his, his horse, and he bowed before the Jewish high priest, by the way, who was wearing the priestly garments outside the temple, and there's a whole debate as to whether or not he should have been doing that in the first place. So he goes to the Greek leader. So think about it. You have the leader of Israel, the high priest, and the leader of the Grecian Empire, this dominant world figure called Alexander the Great. He gets off his horse or his chariot and he bows before the high priest. And the Greek leaders around Alexander said, what are you doing bowing to a Jewish man? And Alexander, as the story goes, says, I've been seeing this man in my visions and apparitions in the night. He said, I've been having dreams and every time I go to conquer a land, it seems that I see this man leading us into victorious battle. Very strange. And so that's why I bow down to him. I believe that he's somebody sent from God, if you will, um, and somehow Alexander seemed to be at least somewhat open to that, what that message may be. So Jerusalem was saved, as the story goes, and the torches represent kind of a, a picture of the menorah. They, they were supposed to be lit all night. And there was this meeting of the Greek and the Jew, and what happened was there was a unity, there was an understanding. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Genesis chapter 10 is going to tell a story. And it's a story of the world's population migrating out into the different regions of the world. A separation or division that occurs. Israel, through the line of Shem, is supposed to be a light to those other nations to bring them back to God. But a division happens, and 150 years later, uh, 
Alexander dies at age 33. Some of you remember that in history. And, you know, the story goes that it was probably a drinking binge where he died and he had conquered all the known world. And so he dies and his generals divide up the, the territory. Nobody's like him. And then one of the, those generals eventually goes into Israel and tries to destroy the area. And that's where you have the whole Maccabean revolt that happens basically between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew. And you have the celebration of the Feast of Hanukkah, okay, which commemorates the victory over the Greeks or the, the, um, those who spring from the Greeks. And here's the, the, the point. At one point, there was some hope between Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile, but now there's this enmity that exists. And when you fast forward into the New Testament and you see the ministry of Jesus Christ and you see the Apostle Paul begin to reach out to the Goyim or the Gentile, the non-Jew, there's a lot of opposition. Uh, but eventually what happens in the church is Jew and Gentile become what? One in Christ. And the tent of Shem expands and the Gentile and Jew are one in Christ. In fact, Galatians 3.28 says there's no longer Jew or Greek for we are all what? One in Christ. Now I'm opening this way to tell you something important that I think you all know. We live in a very divided world. I think we would long to say that the world is one. And we've had songs that have come out in the last several decades and, and they've sung about the oneness of humanity, the hope that humanity would be one again. But what would bring humanity back together? Well, some would say beauty or splendor. But I would argue the only one that's going to bring humanity back together is Jesus Christ. See, we are all one in Christ. We must come back to God through Jesus Christ. And this is the story of the generations of these three sons. And the one son exposed his father, his father's nakedness, or left it there, and even told his brothers. And by the way, some rabbis believe that when Ham um, saw this scene, he did some dastardly deed, and I won't get into the details, but somehow Noah knows that his son has dishonored him in this way. And uh, there, I'll just tell you, there are some uh, rabbinic sources that believe that there's even a castration that may have taken place. I, don't, I personally don't believe that, but that is some versions of the story. So here's what's going on now. So um, let's move into chapter 10, verse 2. The sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog and Madai. They're the Medes and Yavan and Tubal and Meshech and Tyrus. I want you to notice that in the record in Genesis chapter 10, after the flood, it's in chiastic summary, so it's in reverse order. So it's going to go in a reverse direction. So notice that the sons of Japheth are Gomer and Magog. Now, some of you will, that will remind you of Ezekiel chapter 38, and I won't go there right now. 
But Ezekiel chapter 38, especially verses 1 through 5, lists some of these people groups. And Gomer has connections to Germany. And Magog has connections to Russia. And Havan, or Javan, in verse 2, connects to the Greek Empire. Tubal and Meshach and Tyrus all connect again to the area of Russia. The sons of Gomer, you can reference Ezekiel 38, verse 6, were Ashkenaz and Riphath and Togarma, uh, probably the ancestor of the Armenians or people from Turkey. The sons of Javan were Elisha. Uh, they connect him uh, possibly to the island of Cyprus off of Greece. And Tarshish, and Tarshish was Jonah's destination west. They connect Tarshish possibly to Tartessos, Spain, uh, when Jonah ran away from God. Where did God want Jonah to go? Go to the great city of what? Nineveh and preach to them. And Jonah said, oh no, I won't go. And so he, he bought a ticket. And it's interesting, in the book of Jonah, it keeps saying he went down, he went down, he went down, he paid the fare and went down into the ship. And eventually he headed for Tarshish. And some people say, argue Tarshish is the British Isles. Some people say it's Spain. Some people say it's as far west as you could go. But he was trying to get away from God's call. And God created a situation. A storm. Anybody been in a storm lately? A custom fish. And uh, the prophet was swallowed up. And he lost his tan in the, the belly of the great sea monster, seaweed hat going on, and he was regurgitated on the seashore. By the way, Jesus believed the story of Jonah was literal, and he showed up and he said, Nineveh's got 40 days. 40 days and Nineveh, Nineveh will be destroyed. Um, are you running from God tonight? If you are, you might be running into a storm or you might just be swallowed up by circumstances. There's Kittim and Dodanum. You're going to have to work on all your Bible names tonight. And I'm not sure if you guys know if I'm pronouncing them correctly anyway, so I'm just going to pronounce them with authority and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. The total number of nations that emerge from Noah's sons are 70. 70. Jesus sends out 70 to go and witness in Luke 10.1. 70 weeks are pronounced over Israel in Daniel 9.24-27. Israel goes into 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Um, that's recorded in Jeremiah, and there's references in the book of Daniel. The number 70 may be symbolic, some scholars believe. Uh, it speaks of totality or completion. And here you have Japheth, and you have the Indo-European nations that are coming from him. And this, uh, there's going to be 70 families in total as we go through the whole thing. Uh, here's in rapid fire. 14 are from the line of Japheth. 30 are from the line of Ham, and 26 are from the line of Shem. Go back and get the 
a copy of the message. Um, this is from uh, Morris. He says, Even higher critics have often admitted that the 10th chapter of Genesis is a remarkably accurate historical document. Dr. William F. Albright said of this chapter, and he was not a believer in the Bible being infallible. He said, quote, It, Genesis chapter 10, stands absolutely alone in ancient literature without a remote parallel even among the Greeks where we find the closest approach to the distribution of peoples in genealogical framework. The table of nations remains an astonishing, astonishing, I can say it, accurate document, close quote. And so even people who are not committed biblicists look at Genesis 10 and say this is a remarkably accurate uh, record of the peoples of the world. Now you may have wondered, um, with all the variety within humanity, do we all come from one source? And the truth is we do. We all come from Adam and Eve. We all come from Noah, his wife, and his three sons. So you can go from Noah and his family back to Adam and Eve. And eventually we all come from who? We all come from God. So this record in the book of Genesis tells us that humanity is all united. We are all one blood or one race. Acts 17 is where I'd like you to go. Acts chapter 17. And let's look at verse 26. Paul is up on Mars Hill and he is speaking to the Greeks. He's a Jew speaking to the Greeks. The famous location of Athens. And uh, this is Verse 22, Acts 17, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus where they would discuss all kinds of uh, spiritual, religious, philosophical ideas. Acts 17, 22, he said, Men of Athens, observe, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For I was, while I was passing through and examining the, the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance this I proclaim to you. Now there's stories from the ancient world that in the Agora, in the marketplace in Greece, they had 3,000 different altars to different gods. Gods and goddesses that they wanted to appease. And just in case they missed one, they had an altar to an unknown god. That was just, just in case, if there's anybody else, isn't 3,000 enough? <laughs> if there's anybody else out there, Man is innately religious. Atheism is fairly rare in the history of man. But man tends to worship the wrong thing or the wrong God. The issue isn't just about worship. This is very important. It's about who you worship or what you worship. And a lot of modern idolatry is captured in the idea of the worship of self. That's the essence, by the way, of Satanism. Satanism is really not about Lucifer and worshiping him. Satanism is about self-deification. It's about the worship of self. And that's why uh, people are, gravitate to that. He says, The God who made the world 24, Acts 17, and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives uh, to all life and breath and all things.
And he made from one, that one is Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined, this is very important for Genesis 10, their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. All this was God's doing. Notice verse 27. Why did he do it? That they should seek God if perhaps they might grope for him. Genesis chapter 10. We have something called the table of nations and the listing of all these people, the descendants of Noah and their son and his sons. What would be the significance that we can take or apply all these names, all these locations to us? How can we use that as Bible students? Well, Oscar, what we could say is that we have nations that are listed and the origins of those nations uh, to give us an idea of, you know, where the races came from. And, um, you know, I know people kind of parse that a little bit. They say there's one human race and then there's, you know, um, uh, different ethnicities or different uh, uh, countries of origin, if you want to put it that way, because these people do eventually spread out. What we can learn from that is that there's diversity in humanity. There's diversity in uh, what God creates in the animal kingdom. There's diversity within the human race as well. And, uh, you know, God, uh, when you think about us, Oscar, you think about our voice patterns. You think about the way we look, our skin color, um, how tall we are, etc. You know, um, this is what makes us unique. And God is a God of diversity. And so I would just say it, it helps us see that, you know, uh, there's diversity in the human race really from the very beginning. What I appreciate back in Genesis chapter 9, in verse 6, where it says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And so we can take this table of nations. We're all different externally. Shapes, sizes, skin color, uh, hair textures, whatever the case. No hair. <laughs> or no hair. <laughs> or no hair or receding hair, whatever mm-hmm. the case. And or gray hair. Or gray hair. Man and woman, that we are precious in his sight, no matter where you're at in this world. Mm-hmm. So then in Genesis chapter 10, we have in, chapter, in verse 9, an interesting character, and his name is Nimrod. But what is this character? All of a sudden, we see this table of nations, and this one guy pops up. Yeah, Nimrod does mean rebellion. We mentioned that in the message, and um, he's the he's called a hunter, a mighty hunter before the Lord, and he seems to be a hunter for the souls of men. And his name is what he he really is. He's in rebellion to God. He's the mover and shaker behind the Tower of Babel, which is in the next chapter. And so what we see is we see a system that is really born here, Oscar, that has been called Babylonianism. And what it is, is it's a system that is uh, religious in one sense, but it is going the way of man. It's a it's a man-centered religious system, uh, you know, kind of uh, shape takes, it takes shape in the Tower of Babel. And uh, the Tower of Babel represents man's attempt to reach up to God and... Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.